Today's scripture reading is from Luke 7, verses 33 to 50. That can be found on page 1604. For John the Baptist came neither eating bread nor drinking wine, and you say, he has a demon. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and you say, here is a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is proved right by all her children. Now one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, so he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. When a woman who had lived a sinful life in that town learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster jar of perfume, and as she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of a woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two men owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he cancelled the debts of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt cancelled. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman, from the time I entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, for she loved much. But he who has been forgiven little loves little. Then Jesus said to her, Your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say amongst themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Thank you, Kathy. What a beautiful story of the life of Jesus we are going to reflect on here this morning. Our focus here in the new year has been on Jesus uh, eating, ministering to people at mealtime. And that is again a, a focus here in this passage. Jesus uh, picks this place of ministry, this type of ministry, because it's so common. We all eat, we all come together around meals, and so as he does that, he ministers into people's lives, and he wants to minister into our lives. We have been just uh, 
alongside this theme, we have our Peter Fish program going on. I hope that you are part of it and, and working with it. And it includes devotions around the meal so that you and your family can, can reflect on things of faith, receive with thanks the meal, the food that you have, and be focused on, on helping others. And so around the meal, Jesus speaks into our hearts that we would be generous people. This is how, how Jesus works. This is how we see him at work in the lives of people, also in the Gospel of Luke. It's also here as we gather at the Lord's Supper table and you think about all the ways that Jesus could have left us with a memorial of his sacrifice. There's many different things he could have placed before us, but he places a table before us and he invites us to eat. And as we eat, he ministers to us. And that's the picture I'm trying to get across to you in Luke. That's what Luke is trying to get across to us. As we eat, whenever we eat, Jesus wants to minister to us. That that basic of taking food in that we would live, we need to take faith in. So we would live strong in faith in our Lord. And so that connection is always here in Luke. I just want to mention... uh, If you have your Bibles open back in Luke 6, where Jesus is, uh, we don't have time to go into it in a a big way, but in Luke 6 verse 1, Jesus is snacking. How many of you snack? I'm a good snacker, let me tell you. I'm a grazer. Just snack, right? We are snacking people. Jesus is walking through the grain fields, and he's hungry, and he grabs a snack. And it becomes a spiritual teaching moment. The Pharisees comment that he shouldn't be working on the Sabbath. He responds, well, let's think about what God is doing and how God has made things and how God guides our lives and that God is, is able to minister also in this situation. And, and, and he lays out, The truth that we serve God every day in every way. And it's not just on the Sabbath. And it's not just what we do on a certain day. It's every way. And so just an application in terms of the snacking. If you you work in in a situation where you have a break time, time, snack, coffee time, coffee time. And what happens? What happens at coffee time? Hey, did you hear about so-and-so? I think he's up to no good. And the gossip starts. And things get said around the coffee that not helpful, not encouraging, not upbuilding. And Jesus wants our snack time, a time that we do take, and a time that we talk with others, and to let him minister there. Say, hey, how are you doing? And if there is something, hey, I heard... Can I help? Can I come alongside? Can I encourage you that we make our snack time Christ-centered and that even when we eat a snack, we let Jesus be Lord of our snacking? So try that this week around 
your snack time at work as you minister to people around you and with you. But that, that is a, an eating example out of Luke 6. Luke 7, we come to the account here, and I begin with verse 33, uh, just before the next meal that Jesus attends in this gospel. And, and verse 34, Jesus is described as a drunkard and a glutton. So you get the idea that if there was food, Jesus was there. I was invited this week to the mayor's lunch speech here in town. Mayor Steve Christie, he has a state of the city address. Through the ministerial, uh, Neil DeConing, as, as the chairman and myself, as the clerk, were invited to come. And they said, there'll be food. <laughs> so we said, we'll be there. Right? That was Jesus. Is there food? I'll be there. And then he got the reputation, well, if there's food, Jesus will be there. But the point of his being there wasn't ever the food. It was always to minister into the lives of people, to take an opportunity. And so even at this, at this uh, the lunch with the mayor and stuff, that... I was actually sitting, a lot of people there, of course you don't know exactly, town people. I was sitting beside someone. Turns out, it's the young man who, on Shine FM, he brings the Christian programs in the afternoon on Shine FM radio. And I was able to encourage him in that ministry. I have no idea who he was before. And now I hear him on the radio, it's Andrew, really nice guy, the afternoon show. And he wonders about what to say and which Bible passages to read and which songs to... And so, yeah, to encourage him, and he was able to encourage me. And it was a meal. That wasn't the meal. It was the encouragement. That's what Jesus has in mind. That's what Jesus wants us to focus on. When you eat as you're eating together, it's not specifically the food. It's to encourage one another in faith. And so this reputation is, again, a lack of judgment to judge Jesus. People judge him, say he's a glutton and a drunkard. He is not. He is ministering into the lives of people. And he always, he always uh, becomes the host. Simon is the host here. Simon invites him. But Jesus really takes over and ministers to Simon. And that... That is really a picture, too. Jesus makes every meal he's at a faith-building time, as he does here. Just to go through the story, uh, it's always good to ask some questions about about what what exactly is going on here. So, for example, uh, the first question, too, verse 36, what meal was this? Simon invites Jesus for a meal. Breakfast, lunch, supper. We know quite certainly that this was the meal after the Sabbath worship time. So that the people did gather and worship on the Sabbath, and then the priests, the the Pharisees, would often invite people over for a meal afterwards. So that's a lot like, yeah, we get together on Sunday, and then you invite somebody over for lunch. 
That was the meal that Jesus is at, very familiar to us. Do you invite people over after church? That's, that's in view here. Definitely, it is a good opportunity to engage people, and it's a good time to engage them in terms of faith. And so, that's a practice that, that the Pharisees had, and that's something that, that also challenges us, even as we begin to reflect on this story, to invite people over after church, to consider having people over, maybe not every Sunday, maybe once or twice a month. And then, and then the, the aspect of, of faith, of living out the faith together, is is right up front. And even, and especially if people are visiting in church, to invite them over, new people, and just to engage them in, in, in who are they and, and how is God working in their life. A beautiful opportunity. So Jesus, Jesus recognizes this opportunity. Second question, why did Simon the Pharisee actually invite Jesus? We saw last week the Pharisees were very critical of Jesus. Jesus was eating with tax collectors and sinners. And in Luke 6 as well, when Jesus is in the grain field, it's the Pharisees who are hostile towards him. And Jesus uh, is invited again by a Pharisee. Would you invite or accept an invitation from someone who has been very critical of you? Someone who's really not terribly positive towards you. And Jesus does. Because it's, it's, it's an opportunity to minister. It's an opportunity to be gracious to one another. And that the invitation was offered, it is accepted. And that's, that's a beautiful attitude. It should be our attitude working with people too. That we seek to come together wherever we can. To encourage one another. Now in this particular account, Simon is looking for an opportunity to tear down. Jesus is looking for an opportunity to build up. And around the meals, he builds people up in faith. Simon is looking for an opportunity to tear down and discredit Jesus. And wow, ho ho, wow, does he get an opportunity. He couldn't have planned it any better. He can see and everybody's going to see Jesus a phony. Because just as soon as they're all there and everybody's sitting down, this woman walks in, uninvited. Simon has invited a number of people. He has not invited this woman. But she walks in. And I'll just, everything goes downhill fast for Jesus as soon as she's there. Third question, how can she just come in? It's the tropical region. Uh, Meals were generally in open courtyards, so people could actually see in and and people could actually interact, come in, sometimes even sit around the walls of the room. But who was she, in fact? I'll call her the alabaster woman. Uh, We don't know her name. And the effort to link her to others in the Gospels is very weak. It says in verse 37, she was a woman 
who had lived a sinful life. There's a connection possibly to prostitution, the perfume and the loose hair, possible. There's the possibility of being in great debt, either she or her husband and family, because Jesus uses the example later of someone who is in debt, owes a lot of money. And so that would be classified too as a sinful person, a sinful woman. Even possibly some, some physical disability or, or some type of, of uh, handicap, which would be taken as punishment for sin. And so this woman would be shunned and not welcome. Definitely she's not welcome in the Pharisee's house. I think another clue is, is the alabaster jar that she is... She is offered, uh, she comes with an alabaster jar. This is, is an alabaster bowl that we picked up uh, during our travels in Egypt. And, and if, you, if you, you can look through it, you could almost look through it, but it, it's not glass, it's stone, it's alabaster, it's solid. They pick it out of the ground, they dig it out, and they grind it into shapes. It looks, it looks very very rough. It looks quite fragile, quite broken. I'll pass it around. It looks as if it could crack. It's got all kinds of weaknesses. Uh, I haven't dropped it. Please don't drop it. If you drop it, that's probably not the end of the world. But you'll notice, you'll notice too, it's alabaster. She brings an alabaster jar. They made jars out of gold and metal, They made them out of different things. This lady brings an alabaster jar. It's rough with many fractures and faults. And I wonder if it's a symbol of the woman herself, of of just the brokenness of her life. It's, it's, It's a very striking kind of material, and it's it it has that sense about it as a as a material. And so that her sin, her sin, her faults, they, they don't ever explain either in the story. But, but you can see it, it's kind of transparent. You can see into her life and they know she's a sinner, but they don't know details. And they just know that, that yeah, we don't want anything to do with her because she's no good. And so she gets judged and she gets condemned. There is is that reality about her. She comes and she pours out the precious perfume of her love for Jesus who has ministered to her in her sin. And so as she comes, there, there are things that are obvious about her, but the things... Of, of her sinfulness, but, but even more so is, is just, wow, just how she responds to Jesus, how she shows that Jesus has, has worked his grace in her life. That's obvious. That's clear. That's right before everybody. Yet Simon does not see that at all. He misses that obvious work of the Lord that he has done in her life. 
And her whole humble thanks, anointing his feet. It's not like she crawled under the table to anoint his feet. They lay uh, away from the table. So his feet uh, and all the guests would be, their heads were by the table and they were laying on the ground and then their feet were away from the table. So his feet were close, closest to her. So likely she had thought to anoint him on his head. But, but that his feet were there, she very humbly anointed his feet. Weeping with genuine sorrow, she owed so much. Verse 41, where Jesus picks up the story. People who owed much. So she owed so much, and she was forgiven. And her genuine thanks is clearly visible, even to the point that she enters a Pharisee's house. Pharisee, a representative of God. Pharisee claiming to be that, that presence of God, and, and that she actually feels that she can enter there, that she knows in her heart that she's forgiven. And she can actually go in there. And it's not being rude. It's not being un, unsensitive or, or selfish or anything else. It's simply a sign that Jesus has made her new, forgiven in his grace. So in this, Jesus teaches Simon around this meal when he thinks, okay, Jesus, I've got you now. You're a phony. And Jesus takes that very wrong judgment and offers a true judgment, a true perspective. Simon has twice judged incorrectly for Jesus and now for this woman. And Simon highlights how we very quickly do the same thing. We are quick to judge, quick to just make an assessment of people, and especially on the negative side. If we hear something about them, if we... If we come across some rumor, well, they're no good. I don't know really anything about them, but I heard. And I really don't want anything to do with them. You never talked to them, never sat down with them, never took any time with them. We are so quick to judge the obvious faults of others that we see. Though really, we don't see it clearly at all. We feel we know. And we write people off. Jesus asked Simon, asked the people there, asks us really to reflect on how we judge and to judge in terms of Jesus' ministry to people. Jesus demonstrates he is a true prophetic presence. He understands Simon. He understands the woman. He understands us. And he wants to speak into our lives. Jesus explains to Simon what's happening. He uses the story of the people who have owed much and who are forgiven much to get through to Simon. Simon is one like we who feel we are really pretty, pretty good, let me tell you. Simon is right up there with us. And, and that's those who feel they don't owe that much. They don't need that much from God. Even the Lord's Supper, yeah, we, we receive it, 
but, but we don't really need it that much. We are, we are pretty good. And that, that thought about who we are and that less need for God, less need for his grace, less need for his forgiveness, forgiveness that reality is in us and that, that opens us to criticize others, people with more visible struggles and problems. And when we see that in them, we don't talk to them, we don't invite them over, because we are so much better, and they are no good. So Jesus speaks about those who have been forgiven little, and then there's even even the sense of of grudging people who have been forgiven much, Uh, the generous thanks they offer, where they they have been forgiven much, and, and they are thankful. And sometimes that rubs us the wrong way too. If you hear some of these people who are really thankful to God, I mean, they go on about it a lot. We, we, we don't do that so much, right? But they'll start talking to you at coffee about what God has done in their life. That makes you uncomfortable <laughs> because we don't do that, right? And if you're sitting down with them, they start keep going. And then, and then we again start to judge. And then, just like Simon, who judged this woman who was lavishly showing her thanks to God and proclaiming to everybody what Jesus had done. And Simon thinking, no, that's not good either. And so, so even there, to, to see and to join in giving joy with those who have gone through difficult things and have been forgiven and are, are on the road of, of thankful joy, that's there. And then especially at the end of the story where it says in verse 42, uh, he forgave the debt of both. So there is forgiveness for Simon. There's forgiveness for the woman. There's forgiveness for us as we truly see our condition. And then Jesus describes our condition as he compares it to the woman. Jesus describes how how Simon very obviously in all his great, oh, I'm so great and I'm so wonderful, has not provided basic hospitality. He has not simply welcomed Jesus as the custom would describe, washed his feet, uh, offered him a, a kiss, a kiss of welcome was part of it, and offer oil for his head and face. It was a dry country. It was dusty and dirty. Simon hasn't done any of those basic courteous things. And this woman, this woman has done so much. She has, with her tears, kissing his feet, anointing him with perfume, not even oil. She has done so much more. Simon doesn't see it. He doesn't see where he has failed his Lord. And so often we don't see it either. Even in simple courtesy to one another, even in simple courtesy to strangers, we will walk by. We will just go our way. And just to be reminded too, do we ignore people? Do we just not talk to them, even in the fellowship or if a visitor comes or, or people we know outside the fellowship? There's some we talk to and some we just don't. Jesus says, consider 
judge correctly, not judging others, but consider ourselves. Don't ignore our sin, but recognize we need God's grace more than ever, more than anyone else. People loved by God, the focus of the story is on the forgiveness and grace that God offers to us all, that we would stop judging others, start considering ourselves, and go forward in kindness and hospitality to minister grace to those around us. Amen.